Welcome to Living Truth Radio, a ministry of Living Truth Christian Fellowship with Pastor Michael Lance. It's our goal to build up believers and to reach out with God's truth to all people. And now, here's Pastor Michael. Genesis 40. You know, um, Joseph was a man of compassion. I have to ask myself, am I? If someone looks bummed out, do I just assume that I know the cause? Like, well, or, you know, whatever. (laughs) Who cares? Or do I stop and say, am I willing to ask the question? You know, to ask the question is a bit risky, isn't it? Especially if someone's looking bummed out and you ask them, how are you doing? Now, sometimes we'll just give the reply, I'm fine, 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 fine. (laughs) We're all pretty good. Blessed. (laughs) Sometimes we're just not feeling blessed. We may be blessed, but we're not feeling fine or blessed. And Joseph cared. So he asked them what was wrong. And and I think, you know, in order for us to reach people in in both the, the church to be a vessel for God and to unchurch people, sometimes all you have to do is say, how are you doing today? There's a guy, uh, he pastors Core Church LA, former youth pastor at Harvest Christian Fellowship, Steve Wilburn. So he said he, he was on the phone with a, um, like an AT&T kind of thing, and he was going through one of those phone calls that none of us want to make, you know, trying to, I don't know what it was, it was something about the service. And so he, he just asked the girl on the other side of the phone, how are you doing today? Now, how many of you, when you're in one of those phone conversations with someone from a phone company like that, ask them how they're doing today? Usually you're like, why can't you people figure this out? Right? You don't want to tell them what church you go to. Please don't tell them what church you go to. <laughs> but anyway, so he just said, and she kind of broke down on the phone, and he said she, he led her to Christ on the phone she was like somewhere, you know, on the other coast. Sometimes you just have to ask a question. Well, they said to him, verse 8, we've had a dream and there's no one to interpret it. There's no magicians down here. Then Joseph said to them, do not interpretations belong to God? Tell it to me, please. Now, this tells me that Joseph has not lost his faith in prison. He, he is still saying God is the one who interprets dreams. And this gives me an idea that Joseph knows the interpretation of his own dream. His family knew it. Are we, my, your mother and I and your brothers, going to bow down to you? It wasn't hard to figure out the dream a few chapters ago, right? But Joseph says, interpretations belong to the Lord. So tell me your dream, and I'll tell you what it means. He has faith. This is an insightful thing about Joseph, that he immediately pointed them to God's ability. He was not ashamed of the gospel. The gospel is not fully known yet in the book of Genesis, but he was not ashamed of the God in whom he had trusted. Are we? You know, somebody could look at Joseph and say, well, then, dude, if you believe in this God, why are you here in this rat-infested prison? You say that you were falsely accused. Why didn't your God protect you from that? But Joseph didn't care about those questions. He had a sense that God was still in control of his life. He could see it by the favor he was getting in these various circumstances. The Bible says, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things, what? 
not seen. And for by it, men of old gained approval. And by the way, one of the men mentioned in Hebrews 11 is Joseph. Men of old gained approval by faith. And men and women in our contemporary age do the same thing. Hebrews is not an Old Testament book, folks. So men of old gained approval this way, but men and women in the contemporary age still gain approval by faith. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Impossible. So we walk by faith, not by sight. We all know the verses, right? We still know that God wants us to be people of faith. But he is in the faith-shaping business, amen? Joseph's faith is being shaped at this very moment. He hasn't arrived yet, nor have we. So sometimes God puts us in sticky situations and hard to answer why this went the way it did. I don't know, but I still believe that God is on the throne. I still believe that God is sovereign. And I believe he's going to work this together for his glory and my good. Well, the chief cupbearer, verse 9, told his dream to Joseph and said to him, In my dream, behold, there was a vine in front of me. Now, he is the guy involved with wine. And on the vine were three branches. And as it was budding, so this is kind of like, you know, the what's that technology where they can speed things up, photo something. Anyway, it was budding, its blossoms came out, and its clusters produced ripe grapes. So in front of me, you have the vine, three branches, and all of a sudden it buds, it blossoms, and there's grapes there. Now Pharaoh's cup was in my hand, so I took the grapes and squeezed them into Pharaoh's cup, and I put the cup into Pharaoh's hand. What does it mean? <laughs> what does it mean, Joseph? Well, Joseph said to him, this is the interpretation of it. The three branches are three days. Within three more days, Pharaoh will lift up your head. Now, I think he, there was a pregnant pause there for a second. Pharaoh will lift up your head. What? <laughs> now, in the ancient world, to lift up your head actually meant that your head was down and you'd get your dignity back. At least that was one main meaning of it. Have you ever noticed that I, I was driving off an off-ramp um, a couple days back. There was a gentleman there with, you know, the signs that we see. And we've all been cautioned to, you know, it's not good to give them money because they're probably not going to use it for noble purposes, but a food card's okay or something where they just, you know, it limits what they can they can buy. Well, this dude was sitting there on the side of the road, and he, he would not even look up. I don't know how anybody would have stopped for him because the head was just down. And you say, well, maybe that was an act, but have you ever run into somebody that they can't even look you in the eye anymore? Been so battered and lost so much of their dignity that they can't even look at you. Well, Joseph gives the interpretation. He says, Pharaoh will lift up your head and restore you. <laughs> I'm, sure, I'm sure there was a, thank you for adding, he will restore me to your office. And you will put Pharaoh's cup into his hand according to your former custom when you were, uh, when you were his cupbearer. And so you're going to be restored. You're going to re regain your dignity back. You're going to regain your office back. Isn't that great? I'm sure that the, he was thrilled. Psalm 42, 5 and 6 says, Why are you downcast, O my soul? 
Why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation. And my God, my soul is cast down within me. Therefore, I remember you from the land of Jordan and from Hermon and from Mount Mitzar. Turn to Psalm chapter three for a second. Psalm three. The Psalms are a great way to minister to a downcast soul. And I think they can lift your spirits, whatever you're going through. Psalm three. Look at verse one. This is the Psalm of David. The descriptor is David when he fled from Absalom, his son. One of the hardest times in David's life was when Absalom was pulling his shenanigans and trying to basically take his dad out and take his spot. And David writes these words, Psalm 3, verse 1. O Lord, how my adversaries have increased. Many are rising up against me. Many are saying of my soul, there is no deliverance for him in God. But thou, O Lord, art a shield about me, my glory and the one who lifts my head. And those of us who knew the praise chorus in the past sing, hallelujah, right? He's the lifter of my head. I can't sing it, but we praise God. He says, I was crying to the Lord with my voice, and he answered me from his holy mountain. I lay down and slept. I awoke, for the Lord sustains me. I will not be afraid of 10,000s of people who have set themselves against me round about. Arise, O Lord, save me, O my God. For thou hast smitten all my enemies on the cheek. Thou hast shattered the teeth of the wicked. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Thy blessing be upon thy people. And all God's people said, Amen. Back to Genesis 40. So good news for the cupbearer. He's got to be pretty happy. A couple days more and he's, he's out of jail and restored back to his position. That's good news. As long as Joseph has the right interpretation, we're good to go. But Joseph gives a little caveat, and wouldn't you? He says, only keep in mind when it goes well with you, and please do me a kindness by mentioning me to Pharaoh and get me out of here. <laughs> That's my interpretation of how he said it. Get me out of here! <laughs> now, now we know that even though Joseph has made the best in the prison, he's still in a pit or a dungeon as the language is in the Bible here. So, so he says, well, I've given you a favorable interpretation. Just do me one favor. When you get up there and everything's cool again and you're jiggy with the Pharaoh, say, hey, I know this Hebrew guy named Joseph. Good interpreter of dreams. I'm sure you have a spot for him. Falsely accused, but we're going to find out that it's not going to happen. At least it's not going to happen right away. So do me this kindness and, and get me out of prison. He says, for I was in fact kidnapped, 15, from the land of the Hebrews. And even here I have done nothing that they should have put me into the dungeon. Joseph saying, look, I was kidnapped. That's how he describes his situation when he, you know, the brothers did this dastardly deed to him. He reiterates that he's innocent. Isn't everybody in prison? You think that the baker and the chief cupbearer were like, yeah, yeah, everybody's innocent in here. Yeah, you're innocent, right? Your bro oh, your brother sold you. Oh, you didn't. She propositioned the beautiful wife of Potiphar, and you, you ran away. <laughs> 
Okay. But Joseph is straight up, isn't he? He's actually a man of integrity. Hey, listening family, this is Pastor Michael. I want to tell you about a special offer that we have. We could all use more help on how to deal with temptation. And I wrote a book called Suit Up, Putting on the Full Armor of God. And one of the major themes there is how to deal with temptation and really to follow Joseph's lead on how to put on the full armor of God and how to deal with the typical ways that the enemy, the world, and the flesh come at us. It's our special offer on Living Truth Radio, and here's how you get a copy of the book. Go to the website, livingtruthradio.org. That's livingtruthradio.org. Click on the donate button. You'll see the book there. And just go ahead and put for any size donation to Living Truth Radio. We will send you a copy of that book. Just make sure you put your information there. We appreciate your prayers and your financial support. God bless you. Well, the chief baker was kind of hanging in the back and he wanted to see how interpretation number one was going to go. So the chief baker saw that he had interpreted favorably. This is pretty cool. So he said to Joseph, I also saw in my dream, behold, there were three baskets now related to his job again of white bread. Some translations say wonder bread there. Um, (laughs) Just kidding. (laughs) He says, (laughs) he says the wonder bread was on my head or actually more literally the white bread was on my head. And in the top basket, there were some of all sorts of baked food for Pharaoh. And the birds, now this is his dream, the birds were eating them out of the basket on my head. Now, in his dream, the baker bore three baskets upon his head with a veritable pastry of feasts for the Pharaoh. His description of all sorts of baked goods or food, says one writer, was common to kingly menus because the Egyptian dictionary lists 38 kinds of cake, and all God's people said, amen, and 57 varieties of bread. 38 kinds of cake. How many of you like cake? I don't don't understand if you don't like cake, but (laughs) pie is good too. You know, when you eat a pancake, you're still eating cake. (laughs) Chocolate cake. Anyway. Hopefully we have some cake out there when this is all said and done. (laughs) So they were used to feasting and all of this, and Joseph answered and said, now the birds, you know, in the dream came picked at it. He said, this is its interpretation. The three baskets are three days, so you get three days too. Within three more days, Pharaoh will lift up your head. Oh, well, that was good for the cupbearer. From you and will hang you on a tree. And the birds will eat your flesh off of you. That'll be $9.99. You can make that in three easy installments. <laughs> now, this takes some courage, doesn't it? I mean, it's one thing if you're going to tell the cupbearer, hey, I got good news, bro. You're getting your job back. Isn't that awesome? You're squeezing grapes back in the cup of the big guy. It's awesome. Yep. Baker, come here. Ah. <laughs> uh, I don't know how to tell you this, man, but birds are going to be plucking your eyes out in three days. <laughs> that takes some courage, doesn't it? Isn't it easy for us in the church to tell people good news? We all love good news. I love good news. The gospel is good news. I want to tell people good news, but sometimes I have to tell people bad news. 
People love it when I tell them good news. But when I say, if you don't accept Christ, you're going to be under the judgment of God. You see, Jesus hung on a tree for our sins, right? But if you don't receive Christ as your Lord and Savior, you're going to deal with your own sins. Is that what you want? Oh, we can't go there. You see, Joseph had courage. Now, I don't know how he said this to this guy, but I think there's something in the background that we have to keep in mind. You see, an investigation has been going on above ground. And I think what's happened is simply this. I think the evidence is that the baker did it. In this case, it wasn't the butler, it was the baker. I think it's just, this is just a confirmation via the dream, through the dream, that the baker was the one plotting the demise of the Pharaoh. And so, which of us, you know, is willing, you know, we're willing to give the good news to the cupbearers of the day, pleasant to hear, but which of us would want to deliver the baker's bread, if you know what I mean? Give them the truth. Telling somebody hard truth like a message of judgment is not popular. This was a tough interpretation. I'm sure it was uncomfortable to deliver and very uncomfortable to hear. But it was the truth. Joseph's interpretation revealed that the baker was the guilty party. In fact, history reveals that he had a whole clan called the Dirty Dozen. Actually, it was the Baker's Dozen. Actually, history does not reveal that. That's just, <laughs> that's just Pastor Michael giving you a little levity. Joseph, you'll notice, did not ask the chief baker to remember him in Pharaoh's presence. In fact, he may have added, it would be preferable if you do not bring up my name when you uh, interact with the Pharaoh because <laughs> you're not going to have your life anymore and I don't want to be associated with you. So anyway, verse 20, thus it came about on the third day, which was Pharaoh's birthday. They say sometimes the Pharaoh gave amnesty to people on his birthday, that he made a feast for all his servants and he lifted up the head of the chief cupbearer and the head of the chief baker among his servants. So both of them were lifted out of the prison. And he restored the chief cupbearer to his office and he put the cup into Pharaoh's hand just as Joseph had said, but he hanged the chief baker just as Joseph had interpreted to them. Yet the chief cupbearer, the chapter ends this way, did not remember Joseph, but what? Forgot him. We can imagine that Joseph was chomping at the bit once the cupbearer, he heard the news, the cupbearer has been restored to his position. Oh, it just, it should, should just be a matter of hours, right? A matter of days. Can you imagine a little bit of the back and forth between Joseph and the cupbearer? Something like this. Oh, I'll put in a good word for you, man. <laughs> Bro, one thing you ought to know, I will never forget you. Never. This kindness that you've done for me, oh, it'll be one of the first things that falls from my lips the moment I'm back in the good graces of the Pharaoh. You and me, we'll be hanging out together in a matter of days. Can you imagine each time the prison door squeaked open? Joseph was like, oh, oh. Days went by, then weeks, 
than months. Have you ever had someone make a promise to you? Oh, you can take this one to the bank, man. Oh, we'll, we'll, be, here. we'll be here in a few hours. Promises, promises, right? F.B. Meyer imagines that Joseph began to make excuses like, oh, no doubt the, the cupbearer had to receive congratulations of his friends and there was outstanding business to take care of and, you know, work stacked up in his absence and now he, it's got his attention and many things have probably gone wrong that required his pains to set things right and, you know, your excuses and, yeah, yeah it's probably this and then all of a sudden hope deferred, hope deferred, Hope deferred makes the heart sick, Proverbs 13, 12. But desire fulfilled is a tree of life. Job 19, 14, Job says, my relatives have failed, my intimate friends have forgotten me. I'm a forgotten man. Could you imagine Joseph maybe resting his head a couple months later and saying, I don't know what I have to do now but I'm gonna still put my trust in you. I can't put my trust in man. We know how that goes, right? There's some people that are people we can trust out there, no doubt. But God is a God. Have you noticed that he uses divine delays in just about every major faith story in scripture? About every major Bible character I can think of has to deal with some sort of divine delay to prepare them to be a vessel fit for the master's use. And I heard it up here. He does it in our lives as well. You know, we don't get everything right now and it's sometimes it's because we're not ready for it. Or God is weaving together his tapestry according to his wonderful potter's hands. So he was not forgotten by God. He was forgotten by man. God was working, and we know that God was working all things together for good. And instead of letting iron into his soul, Joseph kept hoping in the Lord. Hope in the Lord, right? Those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will mount up, what? See, they're not going to just survive. They're going to what? Soar. They're going to soar. God says in Jeremiah 2.32, God knew Joseph's pain. Can a virgin forget her ornaments or a bride her attire? Yet my people have forgotten me days without number. Do you know if you feel forgotten, your God knows exactly how you feel. People forget him every single day. In fact, the people that say they know him the best often forget him days without end. The world brushes him aside until the next emergency. And Joseph will say at the end of the story, don't be afraid. I, I'm not in God's place. God's the one who's working together this tapestry. And he's doing it in my life and your life as well. Ultimately, Joseph ascends to the second highest position, prime minister of Egypt. One writer said Joseph had to take a step down before he could take a step up. And it took several years. As I scan my Bible, I see God remembered Noah. God remembered Abraham. God remembered Rachel. God remembered his covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I see a thief on the cross who says, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus says, 
Today, you will be with me in paradise. I think the man was saying, please forget my sin and remember me. And that's why the Lord was dying on the cross. And I leave you with these words. This is Isaiah 49, 14. I'll tell you what, why don't you turn there and we'll close with it. Pastor Chris, if you don't mind, can you come on up? Isaiah 49, 14. As Israel went through all their pains and trials, um, they asked questions about where God was in all of it. And here's, here's what it says. Isaiah 49, 14 says, But Zion said, Israel said, The Lord has forsaken me. Isaiah 49, 14. The Lord has forgotten me. And the Lord responds through the prophet. Can a woman forget her nursing child and have no compassion on the son of her womb? Even these may forget, but I will not forget you. Behold, Isaiah 49, 16. I've inscribed you on the palms of my hands. Your walls are continually before me. And so, you know, just to make sure that we're crystal clear on this, so I would just say most dreams probably mean nothing. If there was a dream that really caught your attention and it was, you know, you had a sense there was something deeper here, the first place to go is to God, to go to God in prayer, to go to his word. And, uh, but again, I don't think this is, this is normative. I think that this is an exception. And I think the main way that God speaks to us today, Oscar, is through his word. And he can even nudge us and prompt us by his spirit. But that's why I would be careful with this whole dream thing, because ultimately, I think it's the means by which God gets Joseph before the Pharaoh to elevate him. And, and even though it's an intriguing area, and I'm not saying that God can't speak there, and he has, I'm just saying you have to be extra careful and have real discernment and make sure that uh, you're not going to someone outside of, mm -hmm. you know, uh, a biblical worldview uh, now, to understand. Now, speaking of dreams, Joseph was also a recipient of a certain dream, a special dream that he mentioned to his brothers and his parents. Right. And so here he has a chance to do something else for someone else. And that is the interpretation where he said the source comes from God. And that's who he mentions. And that original dream uh, was true, right? It's going to be borne out in the book that mm -hmm. his brothers and parents or dad is going to bow down before him. So, it, but it, it's also, uh, I think, kind of interesting to think about the fact that he shared that dream and he knew the interpretation of the dream. Mm -hmm. And even dad said, are you saying we're going to bow down to you? And so um, you can see that uh, I think, I guess maybe the the lesson is we got to be careful all around. Like <laughs> sometimes if you dream something and you have a sense um you should still maybe take it to the Lord in prayer and just be careful about the whole thing. But God works it all together because Genesis 50 verse 20 reminds us what they intended for evil, God intended for good, and God was working behind all of, that, all of what's going on in the book of Genesis. Thank you for listening to today's program. If you'd like to listen to this message again, learn more about our church in Corona, or to access archived messages, go to livingtruthradio.org and click on the church tab. You can follow us on Instagram at Living Truth Corona or download the Living Truth Christian Fellowship app on Apple and Android devices. Living Truth Radio is a listener-supported ministry. You can partner with us by donating at livingtruthradio.org.